preached in your church or, or taught, I can't say that's that I've ever heard it in the church churches I've been in. Oh, okay. Got someone. All right. Christian is uh is the bot in here? Yes, the bot is in here already. Uh, welcome, me six. Good to have you, my friend. Do you want to pray for us, Christian? Sure. Get us started. Thank you. Okay. Father Yahweh, thank you for giving us another day. Thank you for your son, Lord Jesus, for giving us new life. And thank you for your new mercies that are new each and every morning. Thank you for gathering each and every one of us to worship and fellowship you today. Lord, we ask that you could, we ask that you would speak through Jason and to whatever it's on your heart through this book of Jonah. The book of Jonah, and we welcome your precious and beautiful Holy Spirit. We thank you for your presence in our lives, and we ask that you continue to melt and mold us into the man and woman of God that you want us to be. We thank you and we praise your precious and beautiful name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Christian. I just spilled my drink everywhere, so I need to get paper towels real quick. In the meantime, someone just start reading. Um, and by someone, don't worry, Fade, DJ, it's you, my guy. Um, read Jonah chapter 1, verse 1 through 6. I'm reading. Uh, somebody put it in the chat? Put it in the chat for my guy. Okay, everybody ready? Now the now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Am Amittai, saying, "Arise, go to the, go to Nineveh, that the great city, and call against it, for the for their evil has come before me." But Jonah rose to flee, free terror from the presence of the Lord, he went down to Jop to Joppa and found a ship going to Terish. So he paid the fare, paid the fare, and went down into it to go with them to Terish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind. Wait, where was I? But the world, the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that ship, so the ship that threatened to break up, then the then the mar the marines are, were afraid, and each cried out of his of his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten up for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out your God. Perhaps the God will give you give a thought to us that will that we may not perish and that we may said to one another one another, Come, let us cast lots that uh, that we may know on whose account the, that this evil has come upon us. So DJ, they, you can stop there. You can stop there, buddy. Thank okay. you. That's perfect. I want there's a lot to unpack there. I mean that's just six words, but I mean the story just accelerates very quickly. Um, and so, you know, goes verse one and now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, you know, six verses in, there's a storm and everyone's freaking out. Uh, I wasn't so. supposed to go that far, wasn't I? No, you're fine. You're you're perfectly fine. Um Thank you, buddy. Um, for those that are joining, just make sure your mic is muted while everyone is taking their turn speaking. Uh, if you have a thought to share, a revelation, a question, put your hand up in the chat and let us know. Um, but let's back it up to verse one. Historically, Jonah is going on before Israel is in exile and before Jerusalem goes into exile. So Assyria has not yet been used by God to remove Israel from the land. 
in uh, Babylon has not yet come into Jerusalem and removed them from their land. And so Jonah is like one of the minor prophets leading up to that. Um, I'm looking at my handy dandy chronological prophecy chart, and uh, it looks like Jonah is about 48 to 50 years removed from when Israel actually falls. Okay, so God's planning on bringing judgment uh, against the people, his own people who have continually rebelled and rejected him and lived in wickedness and sin and and unbelief and idolatry, and he's given them chance after chance. And while his own people aren't listening and are rejecting him time and time again, and we're getting to the point where they're going to be kicked out of the land, we have a prophet named Jonah who's actually sent away from the people of Israel um, to bring uh, some pretty hard news to uh, violent people. Uh, The Assyrians are known for incredibly wicked, violent hands. And so uh, verse 1, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. And here's what the word of the Lord said. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. There's a lot of great cities in Scripture. Babylon is like the archetype of great cities, you know, the the world system that's opposed to God. Nineveh falls under that category. And so he says, go call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. There's a number of times I can think of where it says, like, the blood cried out, or the land cried out, or the people cried out. You know, uh, Abel's blood, you know, the first time someone's murdered, Abel's blood cries out from the ground and that rises up to God. Uh, the wickedness of Sodom and Gomorrah rises up to God and he ends up doing something about it, you know, brings judgment upon them. The people of Israel's cries, Pharaoh's oppression, you know, squeezing them and destroying them and their cries reach the Lord. And so there's a, there's a lot of, uh, you know, times in scripture where we have the same thing happen. The evil of uh, a city, a, a nation finally, you know, reaches the point where God is going to do something about it. And, um, but this time it's not necessarily to bring judgment, but to bring a chance to turn away and avoid judgment. And so this is unique. Um, verse three, it says, but Jonah rose to flee, um, to Tarshish. In other words, he goes, Nope, no thanks. And we don't know Jonah's history before this. Uh, like, how often did he hear from God? How long has he been a prophet? How much did he interact with the nation? You know, we don't know. Just that he's a prophet and the word of the Lord comes to him. Um, and he runs away. Verse 3, he runs to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. It's also a theme in scripture. Lots of times people are either exiled from God or they just run away from him. Um, and Jonah is that person running from God. When God's trying to bring his presence through Jonah to the Ninevites who are far from him. And so he paid the fare, went down into it. In other words, he paid out of his own pocket to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. Notice um, in verse 3 and 4, it's repeated twice that he's fleeing the presence of the Lord. Um, so circle that, highlight that, whatever you want to do with it. Um, And let's see your guys' thoughts. I see John saying the Assyrians were known to attack the northern tribes, which includes Zebulun, Jonah's tribe. It is said he did not want to see the enemies. Absolutely. I don't think Jonah's running out of fear. I think he's running out of hatred for these people who have just destroyed his own people, wicked people who have, you know, murdered and, you know, violently treated the Israelites. So, you know, essentially God's saying, hey, Jonah, Go bring this message of judgment against the people who are like the worst of your enemies. The people who hate you, want you dead, go to them. Um, And Jonah, it seems like Jonah is catching what's going to happen. He doesn't want (laughs) them to have a chance out of this judgment. So I think also, like Grogu said, and put your hands up if you have something. I don't want to talk the whole time, but... Grogu said, Jonah's also believed to be around the time of King Jeroboam. Yeah, Jeroboam II. Um, not a good king, as far as I'm, I remember. 
uh, Jeroboam is not not a good guy. So um, there's a lot of wickedness within the nation of Israel itself and outside. And it's interesting that Jonah sent away from the nation while Amos and Hosea, you know, prophets like that are going to come after Jonah to the nation of Israel. Jonah sent away from them and he runs from that calling. So anything you guys notice? Three verses in, a little backstory. I get it. Not not exhilarating, but when you dig a little bit, man, this story, um, it's profound. Yeah. It really makes sense of the gospel to the Gentiles in the New Testament, what Jesus comes to do, three days in the grave, all these different types and shadows. Anyone want to jump on the mic, share their thoughts, insights? What do you notice? Notice I'll, how. Uh, Go ahead. I'll say one small piece. Please. Uh, we see a hint of. Of course, the obvious, whenever people are asking for signs and wonders, you'll only get one. That is the sign of Jonah. But that is to turn to God. Jonah, he goes there eventually, right? And when he preaches, they repent. And that's a good thing because it is a hint to something that is a way from uh, where he should have been going like everybody else does, which to me kind of alludes to uh, going out to all the nations. That even Jesus references back to this this time and and from the past. So just wanted to throw it out there. Oh, yeah. When we see the great fish swallow Jonah, there's going to be a lot of looking forward to Jesus in that for sure. Um, what a privilege though. Uh, you're going to see throughout the story, like God takes this mess uh, of a nation of surrounding nations of a prophet that's disobedient. He takes this mess and he like makes it an ex- a profound example of the gospel. Like what Ken said, that Jonah's going to be the sign. Jesus says, here's your sign. You want it? You want it? It's Jonah. Three days in the fish. When I come out from the grave, you'll you'll see. You know, and there's also a lot. The sign of Jonah, he explicitly says, is as Jonah was three days in the belly of the fish, so the Son of Man will be three days in the heart of the earth. Um, but there's also so much more. Like, um, notice how he goes down to Joppa. Notice how the Gentiles are involved. Can you think of any other story, specifically in Acts, where you see those two things at play. You know, there's a city, Joppa, there's someone who's sent, and the Gentiles are recipients of this news that God is bringing. Um, and it's, you know, if you didn't catch it, it's Peter. Peter's the guy who's going to bring the gospel the first time to Cornelius and the Gentiles in Acts. Um, he's in Joppa when they find him. And he's God's sent messenger to. So Jonah, in so many ways, is going to foreshadow um, the gospel, the Gentiles being a part of this, you know, rebellious Israelites who miss out while like wicked, unbelieving Gentiles, you know, they decide to believe. There's a lot going on. So um, it's really cool. Jeremy, let's go. Jump on that mic. Going on, shalom, everybody. Oh, all right, verse three, right? It says, But Jonah arose, flee to Tarsus from the presence of the Lord. Oh, this came to mind if everybody want to share also how many times uh, this could relate to our lives as well. When we have an assignment, we know it's him pushing us to be obedient to do something, but we turn away and go somewhere else. You know what I mean? That's what to think about. Right. And, you know, why would, I don't know how many prophets are, you know, available during this time, at least during the times of the Kings, you have the school of prophets, you know, you, you have quite a few prophets available. Why are you, why are you going to pick a guy that you know is not going to want to go? Um, 
in it specifically to make a point that <laughs> the the people who are receptive to God are the least likely and the people who don't want anything to do with the plan of God are the people that you would expect to be on board first. Um, and Jonah's, and he's the, he's the story. You think it's about Nineveh, like, oh, look how nice they turned. It's like Jonah's given a chance just as much as Nineveh is. It's repentance on both sides. It's forgiveness on both sides, Jew and Gentile. So Daniel has his hand up. Go ahead, buddy. Yeah. Hey, uh, yeah, just all that. I have paused the road to Damascus. Obviously, going down to the persecution, you know, Daniel has, has an encounter with God, just like Jonah does, the turning back around. And then you've got Ananias who has to actually go and actually minister him to the very one who's persecuting. There's, there's a lot of synergies there that you see happening as well. Just was reminding me of that as you were speaking. Yeah. Qualified. 100%. Yeah, that's just a theme in is in, in scripture is um you know the righteous one. Hey, eagle eye, Jesus loves. Can you mute your mic for me? Just catching some background noise. Um, but yeah, that's that's such a repeating theme as you know the the uh, the representative of God is sent to a to people who you know you think wouldn't want it and are violent and wicked and they turn. Um, they believe. So Nineveh, man, uh, Jesus is going to reference Nineveh quite a bit. So let's just keep going. Uh, verse four, but the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. <clears throat> and there was a mighty <coughs> tempest on the sea. So the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were, were terrified and each cried out to his God. Okay, so I would circle that if I were you. You have a bunch of apparently like people representing different nations, serving different gods with different theology and different beliefs, all on this ship to go to Tarshish. Um, and so here we have a bunch of nations, at least people who a bunch of different gods represented. And uh, the one who represents the true God you're going to find is sleeping. And so circle that. They cry out to their gods. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. Um, now, it doesn't say when Jonah did that. I think this is the first time I've ever read it and thought, hey, did the storm like get kicked up and Jonah went, you know what, I'm out. I'm going to go take a nap. Or did he just happen to be sleeping when it was going on? Um, it just says that he went down in there. And the captain came and said, Hey, what do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Um, he comes in like pretty heavy handed on Jonah. Perhaps the God, the God, will give a thought to us that we may not perish. Notice how they're trying everything. <laughs> Paula, what's up, sister? They're trying everything. Like, hey, you crowd to your God, you crowd to yours. Someone's got to help us, right? It's just absolute desperation throwing up a Hail Mary. And uh, he's going, Jonah, call out to your God. It's assumed in that time that, you know, you believed in a God. Perhaps that God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. That we may not perish. Mm -mm -mm. Sounds like John 3.16. But I digress. I want to go to um, Jonah sleeping. I think we can all think, uh, you know, in our minds, there's another story that that we can think of in the New Testament. Ken, go ahead. Papa Ken. Papa. I wonder what that story is all about. Who was freaking out on the boat when somebody was sleeping? The storms tossing, the storms of our lives. Our lives are just tossing around the waves all over the place. The winds just battering against the walls of our life and praying that we're not up against standing on the sand, but on the firm rock. And Christ is right there with the disciples asleep. And so they too, even knowing Christ and everything he's done, still they try to almost accuse him like a rebuke. 
And it's like, you're going to let us perish? What's going on? You know, they turn to their own understanding. These guys on the boat, they're all turning to their own understanding by their own their own false gods. And they're taking it upon themselves to take action instead of turning to the truth. And so uh, there's definitely that point in our lives that we should realize is just is this just the storm outside as it's thundering right that that's the best thing about this as i'm saying this <laughs> that when the when the waves kick up and and the seas below us are are raging and it's easy to become fearful of things in our lives are we going to turn to the one that's inside of us resting that we take the rest in him who else wants to take that? Yeah. The storm, the the freaking out people, the sleeping people. Jonah's asleep and um we don't I don't know why. How's he able to sleep through that? Jesus is different. He trusts his father. Jonah, on the other hand, I don't know. Don't know how the guy's sleeping through it. But if you go back to verse four it does say the Lord is the one who hurled a great wind upon the sea. And these guys are caught in the crossfire, right? They didn't do anything wrong. And yet they're experiencing the consequences for Jonah's sin by being in the same boat with him. And they're being rocked back and forth, afraid of dying. Um, I think anyone, anyone else want to say anything about that before we move on to verse 7? DJ's going to read. Don't worry, Fade, I got you. Yeah, I just want to put something that's just in my mind. Um, it says, um, verse 6, they woke him up and told Jonah to uh, call on his God. And the similarity to the gospel is, even though it's Jesus, uh, the disciples is talking to God to stop the storm as well. I, I don't know. I just thought that connection was uh, amazing. How it yeah. lies together. Absolutely. I didn't even think about that. Like, you know, they're telling Jonah, hey, whatever God you serve, just ask for help. You know, Peter and the boys go directly to their God on the ship. So that's a little, a little different, right? To have God in the boat and he's still letting it happen. Whereas these guys are just really confused as to what's happening. Mr. Uh, Mr. Mark. How do you say your name? Mr. Mark? Okay, you know what I was thinking is, can you hear me because I'm driving? Yes, I can, Mr. Mark. Okay, you know the, you know how like sometimes we as human beings take it upon ourselves to do whatever is like humanly possible. Like they started throwing over the excess, they started throwing over like the cargo, they started getting rid of stuff. And how many of us like when we sense that there's something coming? We start to start cleaning house. We start to throw stuff overboard. We start to get rid of stuff. We start to use our own worldly wisdom to try to solve problems that only a living God can help to contribute to. And so, you know, like these people, like you know, they, they did what they thought was humanly possible. But it reminded me, and I'm driving, so I'm trying to hold my Bible without crashing. Um, it reminded me of Hosea 12, 13. And it says, by a prophet, the Lord brought Israel out of Egypt, and by a prophet, he was preserved. So he's re he's talking about Moses. And so when, I think it was Daniel who was talking about Ananias and Paul, like, you know, like they recognized the prophetic mantle. And so they went to him and said, Jonah, you know, call upon your God, because through the prophet, and even to this day, like the prophetic utterance of the Holy Spirit is alive and well on this earth and and there's deliverance that needed to occur and so later on in scripture you'll find out that Jonah says you know like throw me over and so when you think about Jonah being asleep like I wonder if he was just like Elijah like he was just another prophet who was just sick and tired of being sick and tired and was just depressed and just was gonna go to sleep and so I don't know it was just a thought thank you for your time well, first of all, drive safe and put two hands on the wheel, not two hands on the scriptures. I know you're super <laughs> spiritual. But Mr. Mark over here, super spiritual. I don't need to use my hands. The Lord is my, he's my shepherd. Yeah, put your hands on the wheel. You're right, though. I'm parked. I'm parked. Get over it. I'm parked. You're right, though. Like um, in Acts, you know, Paul's in a storm as well. They start chucking stuff over, freaking out. And Paul's going, look, guys, an angel showed up to me. Let me know we're going to be fine. Uh, ship's going to break apart, but we're going to make it, you know, and you're right. When 
when men try and figure out what's happening, they they decide what the best reaction or response is going to be. These people aren't seeking uh, direction from the true and living God. They're trying to figure it out on their own. And they're, they're tossing out the wrong cargo. That's what they're doing. They're going to have to throw a person off. So, um, spoiler, Jonah gets thrown out. Andrea, go ahead. Um, I, I was going to, so my, my word is uh, comfort in an encounter. So, like, Jonah had an encounter, and he obviously he had gotten comfortable to where, you know, he was disobedient in that. So, like, you know, if he was sleeping when there, were, <laughs> there was, like, stuff going on, you know, um, it seems like that that was just that, um, that, you know, he had had an encounter with God. And so maybe he had found a comfort, and that comfort had caused him to become disobedient. Um, to, you know, what God had, um, request, you know, uh, his, God's request for him. So, so it just came at comfort in an account, God in encounter with the Lord. So he got comfortable. I, I love that you brought that up because Jonah's not comfortable in the right thing, right? He's comfortable in disobedience. He's comfortable in going away from the presence of God and not going towards him. There's no reason for peace and comfort outside the will of God, necessarily. Um, in fact, God's going to confront that, boom, face him head on, and pull him out of that. Um, and verse 7, which I won't read. DJ, you got this. You're my guy. Read verse 7. Um, and how about you do 8, 9, and 10. Okay, 7, 8. No problem. Can somebody put it in the chat, please? I'm already on it. Okay. Go ahead, buddy. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots, that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us on tell tell us on whose account this evil upon us. What is what is your occupation and where do you come from? What is your country and what? And wait, hold on. And where and what people are you? And he said to them, "I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord God, the Lord the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land dry." Then the men were exceeding, exceedingly afraid and said to him, what is, what is this that you have done? For the men knew that he, that he was feeling from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Told them. Great job. Thank you, buddy. All right, verse 7. They're tr they're trying to figure it out, so they're pretty much putting everyone forward and saying, "Hey, let's expose who's the reason for this." And um, Fade, can you do me a favor and mute your mic? The background noise doesn't come through. Thank you, buddy. They said to one another, "Come, let us cast lots, that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us." I love that. <laughs> who's to blame? So they cast lots. Boom, Jonah. Jonah, come on, Jonah. How are you going to drag us down with you? They said, tell us. Why has this evil come upon us? You could circle that phrase or however your translation um, you know, states it. The evil that comes upon them stated twice there. They cast lots because they were salty, question mark? John, that sounds really deep. You want to explain that? He's going to remain silent. He's not jumping on to, to say anything. What is your occupation? Hmm. Look at all these questions they're asking him. A little obsessive, right? Where do you come from? What's your country? What people are you? He says, geez, I'm a Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Hmm. 
What have you done? <laughs> the men knew he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord. There's that third time, man. In ten verses, it's worth circling that, that he's fleeing the presence of the Lord. Uh, anyone else you can think of in Scripture that flees the presence of the Lord? Not was exiled from the presence, but actually runs away from the presence of the Lord. I can't think of anything off the, off the top of my head. But any thoughts? I actually want to go back to... Wait, are there any hands up? You, my guy, you're the hand up. Okay, no, okay. Um, well, going back to the previous verse, I can't help but to think maybe... Uh, I got this from a video that I watched from Alan Parr about uh, Balaam and the donkey, just specifically about disobedience and about you know the stubbornness of ba Baal, not Balaam or whoever the um the person was in that in that book. It's like how is a reflection of when we try to go one way. But God continues to put obstacles or things in place to keep that person off from heading into a different path, a different pathway than the word than the Lord wa wants him or her to go to. And I, I can't help but to at least try and put like. Uh, Jonah escaping, or not escaping, uh, I guess going away, trying to go away from the presence of the Lord, and alongside, I guess, Baal's stubbornness. And uh, obviously, there are two, two completely different, completely different stories, but my mind wants to at least draw a lesson with the two, like in the comparison, where one they're both trying to flee from God, you know, so they won't have to take care of a responsibility that God has placed on their heart. I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah. Yeah, that does make sense. And, and when you explain it like that, um, I guess it, helps me see something I didn't see before when it says that he fleed the presence of the Lord. Um, you might think that's talking about where God met him in Israel. Uh, I think John had mentioned he was in, let me scroll up so I can sound smart. Like John. Uh, oh, there he is. Zebulun. You might think that's what's being referred to. Um, but, and though I I believe that's correct, I don't think it's com it's I think it's incomplete because Jonah's specifically fleeing. Um, he's going running away from Nineveh, um, and I, there's something to be said about like where God is bringing him. Like the presence of God is where He wants Jonah to be, um, not where he's not where Jonah's actually going. And so there's a, it's that weird, like God fills the earth. He's everywhere, but where he's called us is like, um, I don't know how to explain it. Like where he's, he resides in a, in like, um, Hey, I've anointed this place, uh, for you to be kind of way. Like he fills the earth. He's everywhere. He's omnipresent, but, uh, where God calls us, where he tells us to be, it's like there's favor there. The presence of the Lord is there in that sense. Like he's confirming that. Um, and so Jonah's going away from, you know, where God has graced him to be. And, you know, outside the will of God, you can only last so long. Whether it's confrontation or correction or uh, you just die like Ananias and Sapphira. I don't know. But you don't want to be outside of his will, you know. Um, Jonah thought he would. For whatever reason, I love how the text doesn't tell us why specifically Jonah doesn't want to do it. We can guess and be like, you know, he hated the Assyrians. He hated those Ninevites for the way they treated his, his people. But, you know, maybe there's other stuff going on. Um, 
Anything else you guys want to share on those scriptures? I'll let DJ read 11 through 16. Alrighty. Hold on. Don't read yet. I want to make sure um, everyone has a chance to, to ask questions. And I needed them to chat anyway, so take your time. Yep. Anybody else? Five, four, three, two. Ah, man, Rocky beat me to it. Dang it, Rocky. So holy. All right, go ahead, brother. Then they said to him, what should we do to you so that the sea will will become calm for us? For the sea was becoming more and more violent. Jonah said to them, pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea, oh, the people stop typing. Then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that it is because of me that is the great storm has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode rode hard, breaking through the waves to return to the land, but they could not because the sea became even more violent surging higher against them. Then they called on the Lord and said, Please, O Lord, do not do not let us perish because of taking this man's life. And do not wait, hold on, I lost my place. And do not make us accountable for innocent blood for you. O Lord, have done as you please. So they picked up Jonah and Jonah and threw him into the sea. And the sea stopped its raging. And then the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Now the Lord had prepared, appointed, destiny, destined a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the stomach of a fish three days and three nights. Boom! The sign of Jonah, right there. Verse 17. What did Jesus say? You want a sign? I'll give it to you. The sign of Jonah. He even says that the men of Nineveh will stand against this generation. He's saying like the men of Nineveh, at least in Jonah's generation, those Assyrians that received the good news and repented, they're actually going to stand in judgment against the unbelieving Israelites of Jesus's day. That's crazy. And so, I was just talking to my wife, like, I, if I knew you throwing me overboard into the ocean would fix things, I wouldn't tell you. Like, I straight up would not tell you that. Not only does Jonah do that, but how does he know that will fix things, first of all, you know? Um, and so, he does get thrown over. Um, the sea quiets down. And then there's probably a lot of anticipation. Well, what now? And before they can even think about what's next, Jonah's gone. He's just, just gone. He's in the belly of the great fish. Joshua, go ahead. Uh, the first thing I just thought of was um, going, sorry, going back a few verses to when they cast lots. Is um, It goes to show... Um, I, I don't see anywhere in the Bible where uh, it denies the power of witchcraft. In fact, um, it, it talks about witchcraft being real many times. Um, I was just reading in Le- Leviticus, and he said, these people do do that, but you guys don't do that because you're holy. Like, so... It's not that it's not real, but it's not in our best interest to do for, for many, many reasons. And then um, the the calming of the sea just made me think of, obviously, besides um, when Jesus is in the boat with the disciples, but Acts chapter 3, when he says, um, starting at verse 19, Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. That he may send the Christ appointed you, and and it's just that um, the moment we, we repent, that refreshment that comes. 
turning back to the world. Yeah, even, even yeah. when what he calls us to do is very uncomfortable, it's much more comfortable doing that than disobeying him. Uh, mm. Yeah, that's all. Because you have to almost accommodate yourself and create an atmosphere of comfort outside of God's will, whereas when you're in his will, he'll provide the comfort. That's not something you manufacture. That's not something you have to. That's not something you have to like scramble for and make out of your own hands. Comfort's going to be the product of God's grace, not your efforts. When you're in His will, and so Jonah's sleeping, you know, getting comfortable in his disobedience and running away from God, and I'm good. And boom, the storm kicks up, and dang it, you're not just the ocean. This sucks. But you're right. Like Scripture doesn't deny the power of witchcraft or the power of casting lots, you know, the, the priest in certain instances of the old Testament would, um, the, the Urim and the Thummim, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but, but it, it was a form of casting lots, but the God ordained way that seems to stop and acts, um, versus the pagan way, you know, Balaam, this is going to get a little off track, but I mean, in numbers, Everything you've seen up to that point is like Israel, Israel, Abraham, Jacob, Isaac. And then all of a sudden the story shifts to a guy named Balaam you've never heard about. And God's working with him through oracles and, and omens. And like he's doing stuff um, that is somehow in communication with God. So here in the text, it doesn't say that God is the one who made it clear that it was Jonah, just that the lot fell to him. And so that's that's something to notice that I don't believe God is behind this kind of, you know, paganized casting of lots. It's just that there is actual like spiritual, you know, forces going on behind that witchcraft, that kind of stuff is is legit. And just because it's it's real doesn't mean it's good. Um, So let's go. I see all the hands up. You just you just. uh, kick the hornet's nest with that so go ahead ken i can't wait to hear what you guys say so there's a couple things uh the first one was prior to that uh was where did you come from and that takes me back to uh luke 13 and so in luke 13 we see the the narrow door and they start asking jesus will only a few people be saved and so then he starts talking about make every effort to make it through the narrow door. And then so in doing so, there will be people that will be outside trying to, to make it in. And then they'll come out. And it's like, I don't know you. Where did you come from? But you ate and drank with us. You taught in our streets. I tell you, I do not know you. Where did you come from? Make every effort to change before it's too late. And so what happens to Jonah afterwards? Cast into the sea. We see some casting into the sea, some imagery of about if you have enough faith that you can cast these things into the sea, our sins, our transgressions, our rebellious ways. And so then it gets swallowed up by the beast of the sea. Um, almost a bit of an imagery of going into Sheol, the beast of the land kind of thing. And so in there, there is that point of spending three days and three nights. That, that Jesus did do. And, and in doing so, there is that refreshing, calming feeling of when these things are cast away. There is that transformation, dying to our old self. Well, which will come pretty soon in the next few verses. And then we're, we're transformed from that point. And so I uh, think it's pretty interesting. Who wants to go next? Very, very interesting. In fact, um, dang it, I had a thought and it just escaped me. Ah, I'm old. All right. I'm going to let reserved apparel go, um, and then I'll remember my thought, hopefully. Go ahead, buddy. Hey, how's it going? It took me a little while to uh, figure out exactly how to work this and how to get next, but it's uh, awesome to meet you all. I just wanted to talk on a point that was mentioned earlier with uh, Jonah. This is something that I've kind of had a question for myself, but when you compare and contrast with everyone that's on the boat and how they're all reacting to what's happening, 
and you see that everyone's praying to their own gods and then they wonder well what's with jonah you know he's sleeping and i kind of try and understand the dynamic of of what's exactly happening in that moment and i look at myself and i think well when i'm not having a right you know path with god when i'm not having a right relationship when i'm falling and and you know just getting battered up with with the world and the lusts and everything i'm not comfortable i'm not comfortable enough to sleep because i fear god and i you know i don't want to do anything to make him upset because i know what's possible so it makes me wonder if it was god who placed a veil of you know tiredness over jonah of sleep to show you know our generation now that we're reading it and seeing what's happening to display how powerful god is and also looking and comparing between how everyone's going rampant throwing things off the boat and getting you know is screaming and and praying to their gods how our god is completely different and how we can trust in him and i look at jonah's relationship at the time with god and try and understand and it just keeps you know coming up i keep thinking that maybe god was the one who placed that that tiredness that sleepiness upon jonah so that he may be glorified so that people that are praying out to their gods and trying to figure out a way to save their own lives they see Jonah and who he worships and you know one plus one equals two so I I just keep coming back to that point in my head but thank you yeah thank you for sharing um man so true like and again there is a difference between Jonah sleeping in the boat and Jesus they're contrasted I think Jesus is asleep because he's where the father wants him Jonah's asleep and he is not where the father wants him. And so the storm that comes in Jonah's, you know, case is redirection. It's consequence for Christ. It's actually precisely because of his faithfulness in being where the father wanted him to display his glory. And as believers, we, we shouldn't be comfortable in sin, like to live in that long enough. And I think, you know, the, the duration in which we can sit in sin is it's going to be relative to each person for sure. But the, the fact of the matter is like believers can only stay in unrepentant sin as a lifestyle for so long and until the spirit of God just convicts the crap out of you and pulls you out of that and exposes you and confronts you. I mean, it can come in a number of ways, but God is going to lovingly correct or what Hebrews uses as the word discipline you know, he lovingly chastises his, his people to bring us out of, you know, the Jonah situation. Um, and so I believe, um, who is next? Gosh, you guys got your hands up. Jonah just has the crowd wild today. Christian, go ahead. You are next as far as I'm concerned. Correct me if I'm wrong. But Christian, you are up. Hey, um, I was just a... Uh looking at like how Jonah told the sailors what they needed to do to calm the storm. And uh, they still didn't want to listen to, you know, what he was saying. They didn't want to listen to the instructions. They still tried to do it by their own strength and get out of the storm. And it just caused the storm to be even worse. And I just, as soon as they gave in to the will of God and did what he wanted, things were calm for him. And I can just see like, that going on in our lives too if we fight you know fight god do what we think we want to do as opposed to just relaxing in his will and doing what his will is for us it may not be what we want to do but it's what's gonna quiet the storm yeah and jonah is i mean these um my wife said me she just mentioned that you know these gentile pagans are so kind you know like they're not they're not like yeah get them out of here they're like well, hold on buddy like that's a 
that's a bit of a, a jump. Maybe there's something we can do before that. We'll just try and row ourselves out of here. And, you know, it's all human effort versus doing what God wants. You, you can't push against what God's doing, you know, as much as you try. But they, they seem to be like these kind fellas that are like, we don't want to kill you. Like, it's, you're going to die. Um, and Jonah's cast as like uh, almost like more of a rebel in this narrative than, than the Gentile pagans, you know, he's running away, causing chaos saying, forget you, God, forget the Assyrians, um, causing trouble for people. And they're going, we don't want to hurt you. We don't want to kill you. Let's try and get out of this. Um, and so that it's, it's like, man, the quote unquote hero of the story, uh, you, you'd expect to be the, the prophet, but he's cast as like that, that anti, hero who's just causing trouble man and god's working with him not because of him you know jonah seems to be like the representative of the entire nation of israel and their history god goes over and over israel i'm not choosing you because of your power your wisdom your righteousness it has nothing to do with your qualifications i'm choosing you because i'm gracious and it's the same with jonah jonah's like that that archetype of uh, you know, representing the nation of Israel as I'm not working with you because you're awesome, but because there are other people on the side of your obedience who I'm really trying to reach, you know? Um, and that's, that's a good, good word for a lot of us is it, it's not look how qualified and gifted and educated I am. It's no God's gracious. And even through our failures and mishaps and, and sin and struggles, he's like there. I love you and I love the people I'm going to reach with you. Um, that's why I'm using you so that my glory is made known. So eagle eyes, Jesus loves, love the username. Go ahead. God bless you. Um, I just want to point out, uh, I see that you mentioned like at the lots on, on the lots are like consider like witchcraft. Um, I noticed that in Proverbs 16, um, 33, it says, I'm just going to read it real quick. It says, um, we may throw the dice, right? This is NLT. But the Lord determines how they fall. So that that's literally implying that um, when you throw um, lots, God determines where it falls at. And not only that, um, the people in, in Acts, like the the disciples, they they did it as well. So it's definitely not witchcraft. It's 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 um got to do with God for sure. Just just wanted to point that out, you know. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I think we need to make a distinction between the ordained way God has decided, you know, for the nation of Israel to cast lots versus the paganized way they would do it for their gods. There seems to be a distinction. You know, there were um specific you might say tools god would employ through the priests you know so not only were there certain people but there were certain tools and it was a certain way to a certain god versus the pagans here on the boat you know they're doing it and you know casting lots is such a general term um so in proverbs 16 i I think what's being prescribed there uh, as wisdom for the nation of israel at that point in human history is that, you know, through the priest, through the prescribed tools, uh, unto the true and living God, you know, as you seek him, this is what David does when he's out there in the wilderness and he's going, Lord, Saul's coming my way and I'm sitting here in a city who I've helped, but are they going to give me up to Saul? And then they, the priest ends up, you know, doing the, the, biblical way of casting lots and god makes it clear that yeah he will and you know david avoids that so that seems to be what's in mind in proverbs 16 versus a witchcraft kind of uh paganized way of doing that um because you know everything that god does and has for his people satan's very good at counterfeiting there's always going to be a cheaper counterfeit um that he tries to use to sway and convince unbelievers of the power and the magic behind it. So um, that is good to point out. I should have made that distinction if I didn't already. Thank you for that. Um, Man, looking at y'all's hands. 
I said wrong to John. Okay, that's, that's my reference point. <laughs> I was joking though. I got Ken? Question mark? No, Ken, I think you're up as far as I know. Um, oh, I'm Paula. I'm sorry. Oh. Is it Paula? Joshua got eagle's eyes. Paula, you better jump on that mic. I want to hear you. Hi, guys. Um, yeah, the... Yeah, you're kind of hitting on it. I was like, he's going to hit it. Watch. She's going to say what I was going to say. But um, there's one thing that really stood out is. uh, So the captain came to him and said to him, what do you mean, sleeper arise? Call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. And I don't know when y'all for me, like when I go through life, sometimes I just want to be like. Let me just roll in the middle of the road. Somebody just run over me. Like you go through this pity party, like you had enough. And um, there's one thing that stands out is like awake sleeper, because to me, it's like he's going through it and he's having his own little pity party because he doesn't want to do it. And it's so amazing to see that God's like, no. And he puts people in our path sometimes. Um, in this case, he uses these people's fear because they're fearing they're fearing to die. And he's like, hey, wait, wake up, call your God, because apparently you did something wrong. Like, we don't want to die because of you. And I know when we go through life, like when I go through life, like God puts people in our path at the right moment to remind us like, hey, you know, if, if it's good or bad or, you know, just encouragement or, hey, you know, even if it's our hearts are already softened by what God is doing in our life. And, and he's changed our heart to know that even if it's bad, there's something good um, in it. So to me, it's like wake up sleeper. And, you know, even the times that we're in right now and what we're seeing in the world right now, we, we can get caught up in the waves and fear and hearing what people are saying and what they're doing. Um, and it can cause us to fear to where, you know, it can either push us to God, toward God, or make us have this little pity party. But it's just a reminder that God's not going to give up on us. He will put anybody. He has this marvelous way in working in our lives that it's like, God, I know that was you. I know that you were there. I know that you sent that person or I needed to hear that today, um, that kind of moment. And I don't know. I really, this is good. This is good stuff. So that's all I got. When you said awake, O sleeper, Paula, what came to mind was Ephesians 5.14. And it says, therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. That like very much captures the story of Jonah. We have a guy sleeping in disobedience, in rebellion, and he's called out of that. He's thrown over. and. And my my wife's here. She's my better half. She goes, you know, Jonah, why didn't Jonah just jump off? Jonah could have just jumped off. And yet I was reading verse 14 and it, and it's like the, the pagan Gentiles recognize that they're starting to recognize that Jonah's God is the real, real deal. And they say, Oh Lord, let us not perish for this man's life. Lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah. Why didn't Jonah just freaking jump off? Well, they pick up Jonah, and they hurl him into the sea, and the sea stopped. So there's a kind of, and I'm not saying Jonah is like the sacrifice for sin. I'm saying Jonah's life was the, the consequence losing his life, you know, in this kind of sense, being given up to the chaotic seas was the consequence of his sin. So this is a form of offering up a sacrifice, this man's life for his own, you know, sin. Don't blame us, you know, don't (laughs) put this on us. And so since Jonah is a strong picture of Jesus, you know, Jonah's being offered up as a rebel, being thrown into the chaotic waters of death. Jesus willingly as the perfect, you know, blameless and holy savior that he is he willingly walks right into death as the sacrifice for humanity's sin whereas jonah just seems to be not atoning for his own but you know giving up himself as a consequence for his own dumb decisions it's like there's an offering taking place 
And look at verse 16. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord, and they made vows. What vows are they making? Did they just have a just have a cow on the ship? What what are they doing? Like they just they're just able to offer a sacrifice to the Lord there, and they decide this Jonah's God is real. We want to be loyal to him. So you're starting to see like the Gentile pagans turning to the Lord as Jonah's you know slowly going to make his way to Nineveh. You're already seeing along the way God absolutely invading the lives of pagan gentiles who are from other nations have other gods and god even used like the failure of jonah like the rebellion of jonah to get a hold of other people's lives on that ship um and we don't know what their you know lives look like after this but they do make a sacrifice and vows to the lord and then you know the great fish swallows jonah just like death swallows up jesus he breaks out um there's so many pictures in this of Jonah is for sure a very, very imperfect picture of Jesus, and even at times an anti-picture of Christ. But like, man, that's why I said this rebel prophet's story gets to be a, it's a gift of God's grace. He gets to be a picture of the resurrection, of the gospel going to the Gentiles, of, you know, life after death, all this different stuff. Um, of you know Jesus who pays for not his sin but other people's sins by willingly giving himself up and Jonah here's thrown overboard for his own you know bad decisions it's all this different stuff coming together it's crazy that's why I thought Jonah would be a, a really cool book to go through um, anybody I think Ken's next Ken go ahead I just had to get that off my chest. So yeah, that's uh, kind of what I was alluding to with bringing up uh, Jesus being on the boat. But it's not that Jonah is the the perfection of it. It's us coming out of that that sleepy time, right? That that hour of slumber, Romans thirteen eleven, and do this and understand the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer than whenever we first believed. So it's time to wake up from our slumber, to to wake up from our rebellion, and start doing what is what we were called to do. And so and then, what does he do? The first thing he offers himself up to be that sacrifice. Cast me over, because now that I get it, now that I know better, now that I am believing and obeying, I will go ahead and do what I was called to do in the first place. And of course, for him. It was to have those three days and three nights to be that representation for Christ in the future. And then forward to be that testimony that we go and uh, call for repentance into the world. And so this is that calling to, to go out into the world. That's what I was alluding for with the Gentiles. Uh, long before that the 72 were ever sent out, to go past what the 12 did, that they went into not just the Jewish nation in Samaria, but also to the Gentile world. Time and time again, there, there's that continuous uh, representation of going to the lost world. It's not just for my chosen people, but I want none to perish. That's right. We serve a God who wants none to perish. You know, why? You know God sent the storm not just to get Jonah's attention and to redirect him, but to get the attention of these confused, deceived, you know, uh, Gentile pagans who were just, you know, following the wrong gods um, that didn't even exist. <laughs> oh, man, and God gets their attention through this guy's story and what he's called to do. And then chapter one ends with Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days. In three nights. Boom. And then from that, I gather from chapter two. And you guys can, I'm going to encourage you to go study this until next Thursday. Okay, because we're going to end there tonight. Study this, figure it out. But I believe that Jonah actually died. Um, I agree. I don't believe he was just unconscious or asleep. 
you know, I believe, especially thinking about the awake sleeper rise from like, it's this, he's a picture of his physical death also being a picture of us being spiritually dead, coming alive spiritually. We were called to awake, O sleeper, to the light of Christ. I think he literally actually died. But you guys can go figure that out yourself. Scholars and theologians have debated this for centuries. So that's it for today, boys and girls. Welcome to the prophet Jonah, chapter one. I love it. You guys did great. Just fantastic. Oh, man. Glory, glory. It's Jesus is all over. The gospel's all over the Old Testament. When you open your eyes and see it, it's like, whoa. Yeah, man didn't write this like on their own in a dark cave, making up a new religion. This is the word of God. So anyone want to pray us out? End our time and beautiful prayer. Me, let's go, Paula. Yes. You cut out just in time because I'm fixing to go to sleep, but I would love to pray. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Father God, for your word, Lord. Thank you that we all got to come together, Lord God, and, and learn. Father, I pray that as the days go by, morning and night, Lord, that we can just meditate on your word, Lord, that you will open our ears to hear, our eyes to see, Father God, even when we're not in this room together, Lord. I pray that you will bring people in our lives that will encourage us, Lord, and that will help us, Father God, and that you are with us and we're never alone, Father God. I just pray that you will bless my brothers and sisters here, Father God, and that we can sleep rested in your word, Lord, and what you have done for us, Lord, and and your salvation, Father God. Um, I just thank you, Lord, for everything that you're doing in everybody's life, Lord God, even if we fail to see it, fail to mention it, or even praise your good name for it, Lord God. We just thank you right now, Father, and we just it was so good, Lord. Thank you, Father God, for everything. And we just bless your name, Lord. Amen. Amen. Paula, are we going to see every Thursday from now on? Because I'm hoping we get to. I try. I 